Wide open. Catch by Jimmy Over the middle on a one-handed grab. Caught by Chase. Oh my goodness, what a grab. Double team. Higgins has got the ball. That's intercepted. Only someone like Brady and Evans can this actually be caught. Hello and welcome back to Secondary Sideline. I'm your host, Tara Gillespie, and this is week 9 and 10 of the 2022 NFL season. Okay, this episode might be a little longer than usual, which is why it took me so long, so buckle in, get a snack, because I have a lot to say. Week 9 definitely topped week 8. It had more than a few highlights, and not just in the NFL, but also at the collegiate level, which is why I want to talk about that super quickly. In college football, we had some upsets. Michigan State beat Illinois, LSU beat Alabama, and ND beat Clemson, all of which I was pretty happy about because the schools that won, I'm applying to for next year. Also, not to brag or anything, but I did just get into Michigan State, which obviously, as we all know, only the elite can get in, so I'll let you think what you will for that one. We'll just leave it at that, but let's move on to Bears Dolphins at Soldier Field. Now, Sunday brought a windy day at Soldier Field. The Bears lost to the Dolphins 35-32, to but I was not expecting that close of a game whatsoever, and I'm actually very proud of the Bears' consistency during the game. Definitely their best of the season. Wide receiver Chase Claypool made his debut as a Bear as well, but he was not utilized as much as the fans thought he would be. He's still learning the offense. We only had like 13 yards receiving, but actually none of the wide receivers caught for a lot of yards anyway due to the one, the only, Justin Fields. So he broke some records on Sunday. Number one, he set the longest rush and longest touchdown by a Bears quarterback in franchise history. And he is now has the single most rushing yards in a regular season game by a quarterback in NFL history. I believe there were six times, and there could have been more, where Fields rushed for a first down on a third down play, just pushing his team down the field. He was able to read the coverage so well on Sunday because he would know when he could beat the defense with his speed. And he kept showing us hints of what we saw at Ohio State. Through each game, he just keeps getting better and better. And on the other hand of that, the Dolphins just kept going for a touchdown on the fourth down but lost possession. I think this happened three times, and I give full credit to the Chicago defense who kept the Bears in this game for so long. But from everything I read, everyone said that the Chicago defense was a weakness in this game, but from everything I saw, they did very well. I mean, was there room for improvement? Of course. But there were definitely more than a few passes from Tungavailoa to Waddle or Hill that were unable to be completed through the persistence of the Chicago defense. Uh, tight end Cole Komet showed us more of what he can do, adding two touchdowns on Chicago's board. And on the Bears' last drive, they had the opportunity to score a touchdown. And if they did, they would win this game, which would be would shock everyone, to say the least. On third down, there was definitely a pass interference on an almost catch from Claypool, but there was no flag on the play. And then on the fourth down, a perfect pass to St. Brown slipped right through his fingers and left the Dolphins with a win. But like I said, I was expecting the Dolphins to w- walk away without any struggle, and the Bears made them work for their win, and in the end, it only came down to a missed catch. All right, next we will move on to the Titans versus the Chiefs, in which Kansas City beat the Titans 20-17 to in overtime. Last episode, I predicted the Titans would win, and for a while, it seemed like a possibility. The Chiefs were trailing 17-9 to up until the last quarter, but the Chiefs were still able to take the win in Arrowhead. Um, Pat Mahomes is definitely who I'd attribute this win to as he scrambled on third down and 17 yards putting his team in the position for a touchdown, and then he followed that with the touchdown they were looking for, as well as a two-point conversion with just under three minutes of regulation left in the game. There were also very notable similarities between Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey and their ability to read the defense and just excel on those catch-and-run passes. 
the announcers of this game also talked about how Kelsey is picked up on the mics a lot because he's yelling pointers at his teammates because he can read the defense so well. Derrick Henry finished with 115 yards rushing and two touchdowns for the Titans, and so no one can say he didn't put in his needed share of work. I would definitely say he was the MVP in this game for the Titans side. This game reminded me a lot of the Chiefs' performance against the Bills in last year's playoffs, which we have talked about here before, because all this game was not nearly as exciting. It shows that the Chiefs will fight until the last possible minute, and you can never, ever count them out. Next, we have another 20-17 outcome in which the Jets beat the Bills at home, which shocked everyone except for apparently the New York Jets, who anticipated this win all along. The Jets were able to pull this win off through Zach Wilson's ability to keep his team in the game and, of course, the Jets' defense. But okay, so as the season is reaching its second half, the Bills have been listed as a possible Super Bowl contender in a lot of predictions. I personally just don't think that they're strong enough to make it that far this season. And it's not even because of this game in particular. I just think that their their performance this whole season isn't really Super Bowl potential. But on the other hand of that, I also have this idea that the Jets reflect their performance over the past couple years. You know, it's like the stereotypical, the Jets suck. But in reality, they are a good team who could go far this season, and this outcome shouldn't really be as shocking as it was. Josh Allen had two running touchdowns, but he also threw two interceptions, which we know can easily weigh more than his accomplishments. And Allen blamed himself for his careless mistakes on this loss, saying you can't really beat a team of that caliber if you play like that. From there, let's just move right on to the Buccaneers versus the Rams, in which the Buccaneers beat the Rams 16-13. to this game was definitely one of the highlights and one of the most talked about games from this week, but don't ask me anything that happened for the two-minute warning, because I was watching this game, but it was one of those background noise games, like I was doing something else and just wasn't really paying attention until the very last minute, but basically here's what went down. So the Buccaneers had like 45-ish seconds left in the game, and they were down four, and any other world without Tom Brady, it would be kind of hard to come back from, because I believe that they were at their own 40-yard line. But the Buccaneers had one more last drive to get the ball down the field, leaving room for little to no mistakes, and the team was just so functional in every sense of the word. With nine seconds left in the game, Brady threw a one-yard touchdown to Kate Otten, securing their win over the Rams. This game added some stats on the board for sure, and it just solidified Tom Brady's presence and just showed everyone, if you already didn't know, his skills are still so prevalent. So Brady has become the first player in NFL history to throw more than 100,000 yards in a career. His touchdown interception ratio this season is an NFL best at 10 to 1. And to top it all off, he avoided a four-game losing streak since 2002. When interviewed, Sean McVay, the coach for the Rams, said that this game was a tough pill to swallow, and I would agree with that because there wasn't really much that the Rams could have done to stop that drive. The Rams' defense still had a great game. It stopped the offense for the entire game before that last minute. It was just one of those things. Next up, we have the Lions versus the Packers, which the Lions won 15-9. to Alright, so this confirms everyone. The Packers have officially fallen off, which, dare I say it, gives me hope for a Bears win later in the season. What do we think? I think it could be a possibility. Alright, so spoiler alert. The Packers played Dallas in Week 10, and they did win, but I still think that after this game against the Lions, they are as good as irrelevant this season. Now, as we know, nothing makes me quite happier than a mad Aaron Rodgers, and that's exactly what this game gave me. But somehow, he's just still not humble enough because he went on some show and word vomited about how, oh, I'm still the two-time defending rating MVP, and I will still better myself. But I had to turn it off. It was so stupid. 
Because he's going to be like 84 years old and talking about how he still owns Chicago or whatever else garbage he has to say. But anyway, back to his terrible performance. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers threw three interceptions, two of which were picked in the end zone, which just foreshadowed his loss. The Packers also had the opportunity to score on their last drive with little time left in the game, but the Lions defense left them at 4-10 and 10 on the 17-yard line, which is impressive knowing that the weapons that the Packers have on offense and knowing their ability to thrive under pressure. And then finally, for our Week 10 recap, we will do the Monday Night Game, the Ravens beating the Saints. Okay, but who is ready for me to throw you for a loop here? Last week, I said something to the extent of, oh yeah, when Jameis Winston recovers from all of his injuries, they'll put Andy Dalton back on the bench and Winston will start again. But no, uh, Jameis Winston's actually perfectly healthy, and the Saints are deliberately putting in Andy Dalton. I fully thought he was just recovering for until Winston was back from injury, but that just adds so much confusion because I thought Andy Dalton would be plan Z, never mind plan A. Like, what are they doing? Which brings me to the next point. I was able to watch the Saints offense more closely because it was a Monday night game. I think their biggest defect is their red zone efficiency or lack thereof. They cannot score a touchdown if their life depended on it. And that's not to put all the blame on Dalton because I know Jameis Winston wasn't ideal either. But the New Orleans offense really struggled this game and has been for the majority of the season. Even when the Saints can move the ball down the field, some other factor prohibits any points on the board. On the other hand, the Ravens played really well, keeping them at their top spot of the AFC North and leaving them on a good note as they head into their bye week in Week 10. Alright, so before we actually get into Week 10, I have a fun little segment for you guys. So I introduced Red Zone Recap to Instagram, which is at Secondary Silent if you have yet to follow. And basically, I just asked some of the questions I've been asking in the podcast on an Instagram story to hear what you guys think, and wow, were they good. All right, so first I asked the main debate, Mahomes or Allen, and when I talked about this on the podcast, I talked about how people are either one way or the other, and my story proved this, as we have a 50-50 vote here. I think our data might be a little bit inaccurate, as some people voted on attractiveness, but my point still stands. Next, I asked best trade on deadline day. Not too many responses for this one, but a couple of good ones. Anthony Pasquale and I both said Roquan to the Vikings, but that's obviously coming from the perspective of the Bears fan. And someone said Hawkinson to the Vikings, which I would have to agree. Any addition to the Viking offense is a good addition. And lastly, we have McCaffrey to the 49ers. But like we said last week, anywhere he goes, he will thrive. So definitely a good choice by San Francisco. Then I asked if Justin Fields was the best Bears quarterback since 85. This opinion definitely varied more than the others. We had 10 votes for yes and 5 votes for no. There's definitely been talk about a quarterback finally doing well on the Bears offense, but I do think it might be jumping the gun a little bit to say that he's the best. He definitely has to show a little more, but if he keeps having the game that he did on Sunday, he could be our answer. Next, this is a good one. Team Tom or Giselle? Or they will figure it out and all will be well. (laughs) For the most part, I was going to keep these answers anonymous, but I feel like the people that chose Team Tom should be exposed. So we have Declan Gillespie, Anthony Pasquale, Tom Locke, and Katie McLaughlin, who claimed she meant to choose Giselle. Regardless, on October 28th, 2022, Giselle and Tom finalized their divorce after 13 years. A very sad, sad day for everyone. Next question I asked was DJ Moore's unsportsmanlike penalty for taking his helmet off deserved or unfair and excessive and we had a 59% of unfair and a 49% of deserved. Lastly I asked which two teams look good as Super Bowl contenders. First we have Maraid who said the Jets and the Cowboys which would be an outstanding game 
it would be really, really cool to see the Jets be able to advance that far, and, you know, it's not impossible to say the least. Anthony said the Chiefs and the Eagles seem so easily, and I don't agree with the Chiefs aspect of that combo. I just don't think that they have a Super Bowl in them this year, but you never know. To combat off of that, I said the Eagles and the Dolphins, which I would say are probably the favorites thus far. I think if you're talking a Super Bowl at this stage, the Eagles have to be in that conversation. Declan said the Bears and Claire said the Bengals, which I will combine because we all know those are my two favorite teams, but unfortunately that matchup would be extremely unlikely. And then Sophia said the Bengals and the Chargers, which are in the same conference, but the Chargers could definitely be added to that mix as well. I haven't really talked about them too often, mostly because I never get their games off my streaming, but they are 5-3 and three and definitely could advance pretty far into the playoffs. So that's it for Red Zone Recap this week, but keep a lookout for the next one in the upcoming weeks, or just let me know what else you want to see in the future, like a Q&A or predictions or something like that. And then honestly, I don't have too much to say about Week 10. There's only a couple things that I want to share from the week. So let's start with the Lions versus the Bears. I was watching this game. Uh, the Bears already had two touchdowns on the Lions in the third quarter, so I just turned on another game thinking that the game was over. And then later on, I was checking all the scores, saw this game, and literally had to look at it three times to make sure I wasn't losing my mind because the Lions beat the Bears 31-30 to on Sunday. My sister was also at this game. It was her first Bears game, and she left at the start of the fourth quarter, so I think it's safe to say we can blame her for the loss. Just actually brutal. The Lions put up 21 points in the fourth quarter, an outstanding comeback to say the least. Honestly, it's been a long time coming for the Lions, and I think that they needed this one more than we did, because if you didn't know, this is their first road win in two years, and this is also their first back-to-back win since 2020, so we're, we're celebrating the small victories here. The Lions also talked about how this is not by any means an easy win due to Justin Fields' unpredictability and skill, and like we just said, he's improving every game and is becoming someone to definitely watch out for. Next, we'll go on to probably the biggest story of the week in which the Eagles lost their eight-game winning streak to the Commanders and their hopes of being undefeated this season were crushed. So let's look at where they went wrong. First and foremost, Jalen Hurts threw an interception and the Eagles lost three fumbles. And I keep repeating myself when I say this, but these mistakes aren't taken lightly and can easily make or break a team just like it broke this team in this game. There are teams that are able to recover from those kind of setbacks and for a second, it seemed like the Eagles might have a chance. But with just under two minutes left of the game, Taylor Heineke took a knee, and then there was a flag on the play due to a personal foul. So this caused a 15-yard penalty for the Eagles, giving them little time to do anything efficient. On a last-ditch effort to score a touchdown with five seconds left, the Eagles called a lateral play, which resulted in a fumble, and then a commander touchdown, leading the score to be 31-21. to Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni said that his team played like crap, which I feel like you don't hear too often. It's usually like, oh, we gave it our all, whatever, but Sirianni was blunt and clearly disappointed, which who wouldn't be after an undefeated streak? And then finally, our last game of Week 10, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Seattle Seahawks, in which the Buccaneers won in Munich, Germany, 21-16. to The main highlight was actually from the fans this time, in which they sang Country Roads, Take Me Home, and Sweet Caroline. Just an absolutely unreal experience, even from a TV screen. Even Tom Brady said that it was one of the best football experiences he's ever had. The Seahawks were trailing 21-3 to until the fourth quarter, so there wasn't really much of a game anyway, but this did add more Tom Brady stats, which we love to see. First off, Tom Brady's streak of consecutive passes without an interception was ended by linebacker Cody Barton at 399, which is actually three less than Aaron Rodgers set in 2018. Brady's also the first quarterback to start in a regular season game in three countries outside of the United States. And I don't think Tom Brady's in the conversation for best current quarterbacks in regards to general skill, but anytime I read a stat of his or Aaron Rodgers, to be honest, it sets them apart from Mahomes, Allen, Burrow on a whole nother level. 
Alright, so that will be it for week 10, but let's move on to the week 11 predictions. I'm just going to run through them really quick. So we have the Bears versus the Falcons. I'm going to take the Bears for this one. I think that they could pull this one off. The Falcons haven't been really doing much to impress anyway, but they are the Bears, so you never really know. Next, we'll do the Lions versus the Giants. As much as I want to say the Giants, I actually am betting on the Lions this time because of their past two games against the Bears and the Packers. Uh, I think that they could use what they've been learning from their past experiences and use this in this game. And you know, they might have another road run in them, so... Fingers crossed. Next, we have the Bengals and the Steelers, and I will take the Bengals for this one. The Bengals did lose in this matchup in their season opener, but I think that they have improved, and they're fresh off a bye week, so I think that they have this one in them as well. My last one is going to be the Vikings and the Cowboys. I'm going to take the Vikings because they are 8-1, which means they are technically at the same caliber as the Eagles, and they've been playing a lot better on offense, so I will take them for that. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. Please give me any feedback that you might have, and I will see you for week 11.